Coming up next on this episode of the Unlock You podcast. So we have to ask ourselves, are we enriching the body or are we toxifying the body? It's one or two things, right? The body is trying to help from day one, from the day you're born to the day you die. You urinate, you excrete, you sweat and exhale. So the body is trying to do its job to get rid of toxicity as, as fast as it's coming in. Our job is to reduce the amount of toxicity coming in. The life is in the blood, the answer is in the blood. The way that happens is how the body creates it. So when you ingest, whatever you ingest, whether you're drinking something, eating something, you ingest, you digest, you absorb, you nourish the liver, which nourishes the bone marrow. This produces rich blood. This is the birthplace of the white blood cells, the, the red blood cells, the stem cells. And you have an opportunity for it to do it every day. So every day, new white blood cells are being born. Every day, new red blood, blood cells are being born. The white blood cells are, although they are created every three days, red blood cells every 90 days. So the better you're taking care of your body today, the better chance you have of creating a fresh, new healthy white blood cell three days from now or a white or red blood cell 90 days from now. Welcome to Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford. And today, my distinguished guest is Tosh James. He is the author of Life 120 Journal, Prescription for a New Life. And he is the founder of an elite wellness consulting firm with an exclusive list of clientele, including celebrities, dignitaries, pro athletes, business executives, health and wellness industry experts, and royals. Tosh informs and guides those eager to learn about true wellness. He also consults organizations and governments, wow, worldwide on broken wellness industry and the future of global healthcare. Thank you so much for being our guest today, Tosh. Thanks for having me, Shannon. It's a pleasure. Oh, it's an amazing gift. So I met Tosh at a conference recently, and the way he was describing getting to know the blood, unpacking health at a wellness orientation made me think of what I do as a psychologist of trying to get away from just symptom reduction with our mental health and how we do that in this medical environment we're in where we're just told to take a pill for everything. And sometimes medication may be the right answer, but I think we need a more advanced understanding of how to steward our mental health and our physical health. So when he was chatting at this conference and we were at a dinner, I was like, oh my goodness, we have to have him as a guest. We have to hear more. And so I know that famous expression, life is in the blood. What does that mean? Unpack that for us, Tosh. Yes. So yeah, as I always say, life is in the blood. The answer is in the blood. The blood will never lie and the blood can fix anything. Mm. So and there's so many components in there. The, the life is in the blood is meaning the blood can fix anything, right? There's nothing foreign can survive in a blood rich environment, which is number one. And you got to know what to look for. So if you don't have the proper evaluation all around the world, Asia, Europe, even South America, they look in the blood first to see what the blood's saying. And most of the scientists and physicians, they are taught how to read blood. So they understand how blood is talking to you, how they relate to organs. So that's what really means by life is in the blood. 
Oh my gosh, which we're not hearing as everyday citizens. We see commercials that tell us, take this pill, take this pill. And pharmaceutical companies are making a lot of money on us being sick. This is not a, a talk against pharmaceutical companies, but to be aware, I have a best friend that was sitting in a meeting as an employee, and they said, this new medication is coming out and we'll be rolling out another one in the fall. So we need to make sure we add side effects to the current medication. So there's a demand in the market for the next one. So wow. I'm aware that some medication can be helpful, but I think our system to your point is pretty broken where we're treating symptoms instead of going backward and getting the body to actually heal itself. Could you talk to us about how does blood flow affect yeah. all of the way the body is working and how it can heal itself? Yeah, so we're just one big plumbing system. And I'm sitting at a country club here in Texas, and there's two golf courses. We have more pipe in our body than both golf courses put together. So when there's what they call is vasodilation, then there's blood flow. When there's vasoconstriction, there isn't. And there's many other causes when there's thick blood, when the when you're septic, all of that reduces blood flow. So us just being a big plumbing system, we have pipes going to the back of our eyeballs. We're going, we have pipes going to our spine. This is why people have so many back problems or even arthritis because it starts here, right? Because it's the farthest part from the heart and people have feet problems. So we're just a big plumbing system. So head to toe, fingertip to fingertip, we're just pipes. So if the blood is not flowing properly, you're, you're going to have problems. The other analogy I use is if you take a lake or a channel you know, in Florida, there's all these channels. There's a main body of water and there's all these channels that go up into different parts of, the, of, the, of, the, of Florida and different islands. So when there's not enough boats coming in and out of those areas or if there's not a tsunami or a tornado or or, or a hurricane, or just rain in general, moving that water, those ends of those bodies of water get mucky and muddy. And this is what happens with us. So it's not any one thing that causes it. We're going to talk about that. But the blood flow has to be there. The blood has to be moving throughout the body consistently, constantly, to be able to create a rich environment for us to be able to heal and function properly. Is now a good time to ask, what can we do to help promote that? Or do I need to keep in the same yeah, direction? Sure, we can talk about that now. So uh, going back to what you were saying, I try to put a blanket on things. You know, we're not here to beat up um, the doctors. They're doing their best. They got into this business to help people. But when you're not given the tools to do the job, you know, the other example I use is when uh, you take a glass cutter, the best glass cutter, glass maker, blower, whatever in the world. And if you give them a sledgehammer instead of diamond cutters and blowers, that piece is not going to look right. doesn't matter how great he is. And this is what's happening with our healthcare professionals. So when you have 7,000 treatments in a physician's desk reference, which comes out every year, every year, a new version comes out with all new drugs, right? Every one of them is an organ damager. Every one of them is a liver damager. Every one of, them, one of them will toxify the blood. It'll slow down blood flow. So you have to kind of pick and choose uh, what you want to use or what you should use. And you have to become your own best healthcare professional because they're trying to do their best job, but you have to ask the right questions a lot of times. 
Wow. And I don't think we're even taught to advocate for ourselves. I mean, even the Milgram research study of the white lab coat that we're kind of trained as a society to just go with the first person that tells us in a position of authority, this is what you should do for your health, but doing our own research. Now be careful. Don't just do Dr. Google because people can get very neurotic and hypochondriac, but being aware that there's alternative medicine, there's a whole spectrum and we really want to be diligent about taking care of our health. And I think for many of us, we grow up with a mindset that our body's going to get sick. We're eventually going to have health problems. It's a matter of time. It's all just genetics. And we kind of have a learned helplessness, right? Instead of a, my body is healthy. It's made to heal itself. If you can get it in right alignment, your body will actually do incredible things for you. And that's where I think where you can share about having rich blood actually gives the key to help the body posture itself toward healing. Yeah. So we have to ask ourselves, are we enriching the body or are we toxifying the body? It's one or two things, right? The body is trying to help from day one, from the day you're born to the day you die, you urinate, you excrete, you sweat um, and exhale. So the body is trying to do its job to get rid of toxicity as as fast as it's coming in. Mm -hmm. Our job is to reduce the amount of toxicity coming in. So the, the, the life is in the blood, the answer is in the blood. So the way that happens is how the body creates it. So when you ingest, whatever you ingest, whether you're drinking something, eating something, you ingest, you digest, you absorb, you nourish the liver, which nourishes the bone marrow. This produces rich blood. This is the birthplace of the white blood cells, the the red blood cells, the stem cells. And you have an opportunity for it to do it every day. So every day, new white blood cells are being born. Every day, new red blood blood cells are being born. The white blood cells are, although they are created every three days, red blood cells every 90 days. So the better you're taking care of your body today, the better chance you have of creating a fresh, new, healthy white blood cell three days from now or a white or red blood cell 90 days from now. So with everything that's happening today in the world, with mutations of infections, right? It's going to happen. How rich is your blood in your body determines the outcome when you get hit. It's not if, when you get hit. Oh, yeah. So what can we be doing? Just small practical things to help us enrich our blood and get those white blood cells, red blood cells, enriched healthy liver so that our body can fight against mutations and different toxins we're exposed to all the time. Sure. The first thing is we've got to fix the fuel that's going into our body. We got to stop making making mistakes. We got to stop making excuses. Um, 80-20 rule. 80% of the food that goes into your body has to be real. We can use words like organic, non-GMO, wild caught, all of that. But the bottom line, if it's not real food, one, it doesn't understand it. So now you're you're putting the body in a war zone already. It's now trying to fight something that's supposed to help you. So 80% of the time, if you can do your own research, whatever, start sourcing, whether it's going to a whole food store, whether it's eating at places that are providing whole foods that are wild caught, that aren't genetically modified, or finding farms that you can buy from that you know they're 
foods aren't filled with pesticides and antibiotics and steroids and on and on and on. Um, that's number one. So that that is a big part of it. We kind of downplay that because everybody's going to a drug. Oh, I've got high cholesterol. Let me go take a drug. I have high blood pressure. Let me go take a drug. You never fix the problem. The problem is still there. And now you've got newer problems because you're masking the problem. Right. So we, we, we have, as a generation, we have to stop making mistakes. We have to stop making excuses and say, I'm going to take responsibility. I am going to go find real food. So whether you bring potato chips home or bananas or steak or chicken or fish or whatever it is from now on, make sure it's real. Go through your pantry. Mm -hmm. If And you said this before, if it's got more, more ingredients than what you can read, then yeah. it's probably not the best thing. It's yeah. way too processed. Yeah. So that's, that's number one is we got to control the food. The other thing is goes back Let to- Let me pause you. Sure, and go one ahead. of a cancer doctor brilliantly said this simple little thing. If an ingredient in your foods or your clothing and your home products, if it starts with the word poly, be aware the that root is poly is anything to do with plastic. And your body is not supposed to break down anything that's plastic. I mean, could you imagine? But it's so synthesized that your body is absorbing things and preservatives and a lot of chemicals. So when that list in your ingredients of your food or also clothing and our cleaning products, our um, laundry detergents, all of those things that were around, your skin is one of your largest absorbers. And so your body's taking in things that are completely toxic. So just being aware, not afraid, not obsessed, not hypochondriac, but just yeah. conscientious little rudder changes. So I want to underscore what you're saying that it's so smart to try to just think, is this a real food, uh, just a litmus test in your mind, or is this pretty modified and there's genetically modified components or a list of words that I can't pronounce? Probably my body doesn't recognize it either. So keep going. Yeah. And, and something to sum up uh, skincare. And yeah. this eliminates a lot of things and a lot of people are going to go, what the heck? So here's my rule. If you cannot put it in your mouth, don't put it on your skin. Ooh. So if I'm you can't drink your shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, it simplifies it. You start there and go yeah. from there. So if you can't eat your makeup, then you're, you're, you're. <laughs> Let's not go there. I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, blood production, right? Going okay. back to blood production. The fuel is a big part of it. Movement is as well. And in the 70s, they came out with that article, sitting is a new smoking. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is so real even more today. You yeah. know, we got kids now gaming for hours. Yeah. Like I don't remember sitting and playing a video game. I was always outside, riding a bicycle, going to a gym, going to the playground, shooting hoops that this doesn't exist anymore. And that is translated into the, the other generations as well. So yeah. when your body stops moving, and this gets connected to 1931. 1931, Otto was a scientist out of Europe, demonstrated that lack of blood flow is the cause of every disease known to man. And at that time, he was specifically talking about cancer. He was demonstrating cancer. But while he was doing that, he was exposed to other things as well. And the way he did this, a little cruel here. He was doing a demonstration with pigs. So he took little pigs 
he put rubber rings on their shoulders and their legs and he cut off their blood supply going to those areas. Hmm. So as soon as the blood supply stopped, then problems started happening. The vasoconstriction started. The mobility wasn't there, right? And now you've got cancer and infections forming because you don't have new fresh blood going there. Mm -hmm. Now there's blood there. So if you took a razor blade and made a little slit or cut the pig pig's leg, you're going to have blood come out, but it's old blood. Going back to what I was saying about the tail end of the lake and the channels. Mm -hmm. So when, when the fresh blood is not be, being delivered consistently and you're not moving the body, you're going to have problems. Yeah. So something else you could do starting today is whether you're someone that likes to go to the gym, doesn't go to the gym, planning on going to the gym, still still on your calendar from last year. Yeah, right. Just start walking, just simple. Because yeah. we keep planning and we don't do anything. Everybody can go walk 10 minutes in the morning and mm -hmm. 10 minutes at night. Set a timer on your phone and walk as fast as you can, fast as you can for 10 minutes straight. That accumulatively over 30 days, 60 days, 90 days creates positive compounding interest in movement. Yes. So all of this works together. It's never any one thing and it's never any one thing can fix it or cause it. So yeah. you got to do a little bit of everything. I love it. And I think even just the wisdom of like trying to do the little side hustle in the day, right? So my job as a psychologist, very sedentary. So I'll try to just like get up and do a couple jumping jacks. Or if I'm in between clients and I have a little bit longer of a break, if I need to respond to emails, I try to get outside, have 20 minutes of natural sunlight and try to get some movement, yes. just small practical things. If there's an option between an elevator and stairs, as a yes. lifestyle, I'll try to take the stairs. You know, yeah. if there's an opportunity to go dance or be around people at an event, I will try to do that because I know it's releasing endorphins that helps mood and it also helps blood circulation. So yes. I think a lot of times we get too perfectionistic and we think, oh, I have to go to the gym. I have to do this membership. I have to do this overhaul. Instead of saying, what are the small little movements that we can start implementing? So, so far we've just covered, hey, let's try to make sure we're eating 80 to 20, try to get real food. And yes. let's ignore the whole thing about makeup. We're not going there. Just <laughs> not real. Um, and let's try to be moving and getting blood flow so that your life is sweet and good and your body yeah. can move rather than anything that stays stagnant can get sick. Yes. Mm -hmm. So can we catch your dance moves on TikTok? <laughs> Ellen DeGeneres, I think, is uh, my <laughs> model of dancing. <laughs> you, you made a great point. So I'm I'm here at the Country Club, which is where my office is at. I'm on the third floor. I walk up the flight of stairs every day, walk down the flight of stairs. Yeah. And sometimes I forget stuff in the car. Guess what? I got to walk all the way down the flight of stairs. Mm -hmm. So I'm making that extra effort. And I'll probably walk up and down today about six times. That kept going back and forth to the car. So that is that's that is a great way to uh, add something. And I didn't go to the gym today, but at least did that. Yes. right? So I'm not condemning myself. I'm right. saying, hey, I got something in. And you also made a good point about getting up, getting outside, getting air, because a lot of people today work in environments where there's no circulation. Mm -hmm. There's no windows anymore. We're building buildings with no windows, which makes no sense. So you can't open anything. You're on the second floor, even on the first floor, mm -hmm. you, you have to get outside. So what I do 
this building was built in 84 and it doesn't have windows. So I step out about every two hours. I walk outside where there's no sun, even if there's no sun, I just walk outside, just breathe the air, maybe take a call outside and then I'll mm -hmm. walk back in. So I got movement in and I got fresh air in my body as well. Yeah. And then basic hacks, trying to have natural plants. They also circulate and cleanse yeah. the air. And so just having some pretty plants around, there's some ones that are pretty hard to kill because I've killed a lot of plants in my day. I am quite the plant murderer, but there are some yeah. good ones. And they say, if you move them around the room, they can really cross clean the air and yeah. uh, that helps purify we have a lot of machines and technology out there that could do it but they say actually the plants are better yeah so just again the more that we reconnect to nature and then the research on doing your own gardening being in your own land there's microbials you can get under your fingernails which help prebiotics live and prebiotics help probiotics live and then that helps that whole gut health of digesting and getting everything in healthy alignment so i love that we're just talking really practical of small little things because what i don't want is people to hear this feel overwhelmed and do nothing or two start to feel fear because fear is a stressor it's cortisol and it will put you actually in worse health so we want yeah. this to be positive fun inspiring small little steps so that you keep moving in the right direction so as we're talking about blood production something i've heard you say quite a bit is the importance of nurturing our liver what yeah. does that mean and how do we do that sure liver is the most important organ in the body and it's not talked about enough because yeah. back to what I was saying about the all thousands of drugs that are in a physician's desk reference that's given out every year, scripted out every year. All of those are organ damagers, primarily liver damagers. So because of that, and also because just the partly the education is not there yeah. to help understand the importance of the liver. The liver is the power plant of the body. So if you take in a Dallas stadium, in the Cowboy Stadium, right? They have restaurants, they have bars, they have jumbotrons, they have lights, they have um, all kinds of other things that run off electricity. Well, and it's a billion dollar stadium. And if you go blow up the power plant down the street and cut off the electric electricity, that place is worthless. Mm -hmm right? This is what the liver means to the body. This is why a liver transplant today is $1 million. And that's if you can get it and you got to get on a list to get it if you need it. Yeah. Now, the good news is the liver can regenerate. It can operate on like one, one quarter of its functions or even less, but then it can start regenerating if you give it what it needs. So going back to the process of the body, we ingest, we digest, we absorb we nourish the liver. So the first three components of that is also important because if you're not absorbing right, you cannot give the liver, the power plant, the juice that it needs to process and mm. kick it over to the bone marrow because that's what nourishes the bone marrow. Mm. The other interesting thing is um, in the Middle East, especially Persians, they greet you with their liver. Like, you know, for us, it's like love, the heart, the heart right? Hearts, everything. Yeah. We can love with heart they connect love with liver because even back in the older days they understood how important the liver was not the heart oh. so we have to protect the liver we have to nourish the liver it doesn't take much but going back to the contamination levels versus enriching the body 
If we just give the body what it needs, give it the real foods, the liver will take care of it. It'll do its part. You digest properly, absorb, nourish the liver, and it kicks it over to the bone marrow. So what is the liver actually doing? What is its role in our body and in the digestive process? Yeah, so it is the power plant. So once the body digests and absorbs, then it's given over to the liver. So the liver still needs the body to process the food, Mm -hmm. to ingest it, digest it. This is why when we do an evaluation with someone, we start there. Are you ingesting properly? Are you digesting properly? Are you absorbing? Because when people are deficient, that's not happening. Mm. Because the deficiency is caused by those first few components. And when it gets to the liver, the liver is only getting so much. If it's getting only 20%, then it can only do so much for the bone marrow. So then now you're anemic, you're low on iron because you're not able to finish the job because you don't have what it needs. It's almost like back to the stadium, right? If the stadium is only getting so much juice, only half the field is going to be lit. lit. The Mm -hmm. other half is going to be dark. So that's what happens with our bodies as well. So the liver is the power plant, but it needs to be given what it needs in that process as the body's ingesting and digesting to do what it's supposed to do, which is the power plant, process and nourish the bone marrow. And why is bone marrow so important? Wow. Well, the bone marrow is the birthplace of the white blood cells and the red blood cells. So when the bone marrow is not functioning properly, as we follow this process, Mm -hmm. if the liver is not getting what it needs and the liver is not giving the bone marrow what it needs consistently, then the bone marrow cannot produce everything consistently Mm -hmm. to help the body operate at optimum levels. So white blood cells are so important that white blood cells have so many components in it. This is what fights for you. So let's say you're in a confined environment. Like, you know, we were at at the conference, right? (laughs) That were sick. They're breathing on you. They're sneezing on you, whatever. But we didn't get sick because our blood is rich. And no matter what we're getting, as fast as we get it, Mm -hmm. the white blood cells are being activated. They're already in the body going, I'm ready to go fight Mm -hmm. now. If the white blood cells aren't at the level they they should be, then you're going to get sick or stay sick. You may take a hit. It may last for a few hours or it may last for weeks. All depends on the quality of the white blood cells being produced by the bone marrow. Yeah, I think that's so key because many times we don't realize our immune system isn't just like this little force field that there's a whole mechanics and system or assembly line. Everyone has to work together in order for those white blood cells and your immune system to do its job. So we're exposed to toxins and sickness and illness and all kinds of things. And yet it's when our body is kind of weakened and compromised, then it's more likely going to take you out than if your immune system is strengthened. And what are some things we can do to strengthen our immune system? Yeah, back to eating real food. You know, one of the stories that comes to mind, I recently met with uh, the cabinet for the government of uh, uh, the Gambia. And the person that I initially talked to was a minister of agriculture. And he happened to be an MD. He was a practicing MD for years. He had practiced all over the world. He got his education in the US. So we sat down, we talked for an hour and we had so many different rabbit trail conversations. But at the end of the day, he actually came up with this, his own conclusion of everything I'm saying here today to you. Hmm. Um, 
one of the things that struck with him was I said, look, if we ate like we were sick, we would never get sick. Mm-hmm. And it was like he had this aha moment. And, and, and he said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, when we're sick, we're not telling our friends to bring us chicken fried steak, right? So <laughs> bring me a margarita. We're like, no, bring me chicken noodle soup. You know, bring me some, some watermelon. Bring me things that are nourishing to the body. Yeah. If we just did that more often, we would never get sick because that all helps produce rich blood. Mm. The other thing was he, when we had this similar conversation, we, we, we had for an hour to even two hours um, visiting, he said, you know what? It's funny you say some of the things you say because some of the most affluent kids, even in my country that have access to all the the drugs, mm-hmm. they have access to the doctors, they have access to the best foods, are sicker than the kids that live in the slums, they're in the dirt, but they're eating real food because they're growing their own food. Yeah. So he had like a double aha moment yeah. with just the reality of culture today. Yeah. So our perception of certain things are off when we say what what is real or what is good. We have to go back to Eden. What what did God design? How did yeah. he create it? Let's just mm-hmm. get back to basics. The body doesn't need a lot of help, but we have to stop making mistakes and contaminating it. Yeah. And I remember I was talking to another friend the other day and she's like, we weren't made for needing supplements. And my mind was blown. I have been in the alternative medicine space for so long that I think I need to take 1200 supplements today because that's just what we need. And to realize, oh my gosh, even in as healthy as I'm trying to be, I still have some mindsets that my body isn't healthy. I need to help it out. So what are your thoughts along those lines? Oh yeah, absolutely. So we've been talking about this for over 20 years. So supplements initially were created for scientists Mm-hmm. that were in regions that didn't have access for food in short amounts of time. So when these guys were working in the desert, when they were working maybe in the mountains or they were working in the Arctic and they were in areas where they could only grow so much inside their lab. So they were, they started creating supplements. This is in the 50s, 60s, even earlier. That's where it all started. So this is also why it's funny when someone called me, this was a few months ago and said, hey, have you heard of these new supplements that the astronauts are taking? I said, yeah, they're astronauts. They're on the moon. That's why they're taking supplements. Now they're trying to sell it to everybody saying that astronauts are taking it. We're not astronauts. We live on earth. We have farms. Go eat real food. So the the perception of... um, supplementing just like drugs because the holistic industry naturopathic industry is as guilty as the other side right for over drugging people they're over supplementing people and that itself Mm -hmm. is causing problems it's causing organ damage organ failure uh people becoming anemic the bone marrow not working properly the body going into an autoimmune state because it doesn't understand what it is Mm -hmm. so the body can only process so much and break so much down. And one of the stories also shares, I had a an NBA doctor call me because one of the top 10 guys in the league was passing kidney stones almost every other week. And he couldn't understand. And I had looked at his file. I hadn't talked to the player. I just simply asked the doc, make the phone call and ask him how many supplements he's on. So the doc, she calls me back and she goes, um, I don't know why you asked that, but he's on 40 supplements. I said, <gasps> problem solved. 
I said, yeah, do you want me to send you an invoice, <laughs> Bill? <laughs> get him off of every supplement he's on. Tell his chef to cook for him whatever type of meal he wants to eat. Make sure it's real food and get him off of supplements for the next six months. Let the body process. This guy's an A-class athlete. He doesn't need all of that junk. Wow. Just let him eat real food. Let the body produce rich blood and he'll be fine. Wow. And he was fine? He, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be but funny. Culture we're in, you know. But I deal with, with in this space so much with people. They, they're, they've got it stuck in their mind yeah. that they have to take something. So yeah. even a lot of my friends, a lot of my clients um, that I've helped get off a of supplement, they slowly. It's like they're addicts. They got to come back to taking something. See, I haven't taken a supplement since 2006. and I'm out there playing ball with teenagers. And I, th I shared a story the other day where someone challenged me about lifting weights. And I said, look, I haven't been in the gym in a couple of years like you guys are. Uh -huh. Give me two weeks. It's more about moving my body. So okay. I went in there and I worked out for three days a week um, every other day. And I just started lifting just to get some fluidity in my muscle and my bones. And I did a video of me lifting 7,500 dumbbells on an incline. And I did, I think, seven or eight reps. Whoa. But the point is, I haven't been lifting for two years. It is not about all of this pre-workout, post-workout, protein shake, all of this stuff that these guys are taking. It's mm -hmm. about rich blood production. So wow. all that stuff you're taking, is it helping the body produce rich blood? If it's not, it's all in vain. At best, mm -hmm. at worst, you're going to end up with all kinds of issues. Yeah. Including cancer. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So I know that I grew up with a mindset that cancer and all these things, it's just genetics, you know, it's something in the family line. And so in psychology, we have a similar principle where people go, oh, I have an aunt that was depressed. I have some co right. cousin that was bipolar. And so I'm fated to have this mental health condition. And yeah. we have diathesis stress model that you can have a genetic preloading for something but it's not until a stressor activates that gene that it actually activates the expression of that. And then you can also, through neuroplasticity, you can lower the stress response, get the body and the cells and the DNA to all deactivate that stress response. And you can actually lengthen the telomere, which is the end of that genetic um, DNA yeah. strand. And so yeah. now before you know it, you can cause that to downregulate. So what are your thoughts on a culture that's so obsessed with the fear of getting cancer? And it's like, uh, you're just fated to this because it's in your genetics. So you might as well start taking a bunch of vaccines instead yeah. of maybe there's some other mindsets we can have. Sure. So if your daughter got bit by an alligator, you got bit by an alligator, your mom got bit by an alligator, and your grandmother got bit by an alligator. Do you all have alligator syndrome? No, or but we need to pray. <laughs> <laughs> or do you all live in, in the bayou and get too close to the swamp too often? <laughs> it's a cultural thing, right? So mm -hmm. this, I use a, an example like that, as ridiculous as it is, that's what's happening. So mm -hmm. if everybody in your family, four generations has breast cancer, you don't have breast cancer syndrome. You don't have cancer running in your family. You do, but it's because of things that you're doing. So go mm -hmm. back and look at the things you're doing. Yeah. To correct it. Mm -hmm. 
And then at macro levels, I know there's a lot of things that are being pushed at a younger and a younger age. And then the body, if it can't process that, if it can't heal, then you're, you're stressing and taxing the body. And that's more likely to weaken the immune system and affect uh, sickness. Yeah. So here's the levels of expulsion. Level one. And we talked about that. We sweat, we exhale, we excrete, we urinate. From the day we're born to the day we die, we're designed to do that. When the levels of contamination, and I'm blanketing that, it mm -hmm. could be injections with contaminations, genetically modified foods, environment, combination of all of those. When that supersedes the ability of level one, mm -hmm. now it starts going to the next level, the next level, the next level. So here's the other levels. The next level is you start seeing it on the skin, the breakouts, the eczema, the psoriasis, um, Rosea, all of that are the body's expression. It's not bad that it's happening. It's good that it's happening, but the body's just not able to do it at level one. So it's going to the level two. Mm. So you're seeing this with younger generations. You know, in my age, I'm a little older than you. So a lot older than you, right? <laughs> so when I used to sit in class and we would see one kid that had zits, we all knew who that kid was. But today, half of the kids have skin problems. How is yeah. that possible? If we're supposed to be the healthiest country in the world, we have the greatest healthcare system in the world, something's off. Something is causing more contamination in the body, making the body to go to the next level. So that's mm -hmm. level two. The next level is now you start seeing the buildups, just like that NBA player. When mm -hmm. you start seeing the kidney stones, gallstones, the spleens being enlarged. Yeah. It's just the body trying to do its job and it's collecting things. It just can't get rid of it fast enough. Mm -hmm. The next level is the buildups larger buildup. So the lumps, the the cysts, the fibroids, all of those are just buildups. With a female and male, everything mm -hmm. goes down and out. But when it can't get out, now you have men that have prostitutes, you've got enlarged prostates, you got women that have cysts and fibroids in that region. It's just the body's trying. The cysts aren't bad. The, the mm -hmm. fibroids aren't bad. They're bad because it's happening, but it's good that the body's trying to get it out but it just can't get it out fast enough. And then the last level is your, your larger masses. When all of that is not enough and you can't get rid of it fast enough, you start seeing the larger masses in the body, tumors, cancerous tumors, et cetera. That is so helpful because I think you're helping us recognize, hey, if you're having some skin conditions, that's your body's attempt to purify, to cleanse itself. So now you have a clue of maybe there's a toxin or something in your environment that you can start adjusting in your life, in your diet and something in your world. And now you can do more preventative rather than we wait until the large mass and the large diagnosis and then try to move backwards. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So I say cancer doesn't happen overnight. Cardiovascular situation doesn't happen overnight. Chronic infections don't happen overnight. They've been happening for the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years. We just mm -hmm. ignored all the signs yeah. and didn't know anything about it. Wow. That would be like really bad burnout where I just interviewed uh, Jason Ballatin and he was saying when he was in burnout that yeah. his hands went numb. He had no utilization of his arms. He was just like yeah. laying in bed, like non-functioning. How much, mm. if we can see that with the soul with burnout, when the body is just like, I am so tired. You have overtaxed me, overworked me, over polluted me, and you haven't yeah. been giving me all the right environment for yeah. me to be able to cleanse and heal and perform for you. So I know we have some 
people with burning questions, like what's the answer? How do we move in a healthy direction? Sure. And, and rest is also part of it. I don't make any excuses for rest. You know, we run hard, you know, we were traveling together. Yeah. I was on for three weeks, back to back to back. I got home. I didn't set the alarm clock. I'm sleeping in. I don't care how long it is. So you, yeah. you have to do that. If you don't let your body rest, it's going to make you rest. And you don't want to get to that point. Yeah. So that's a big part of it as well. Um, the, the last component that I would like to introduce is what God walked me through few couple of years ago when I was looking for a food plan and I knew everybody in the food space, including nutritionists and dietitians were all also fishing from the same pond. I said, okay, Lord, how can I create something that'll work for all our people? Because most people that are coming to us are already in bad shape. They already have a severe diagnosis. So um, unbeknownst to me, God started giving me these downloads and that's not, I didn't realize that that's what he was doing. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and all of a sudden he said, Hey, go on a 21 day vegetable only regimen. I'm like, Hmm, okay, fine. I'll do it. So I just did it out of obedience. And he did that with me for over 120 days, different phases. Mm. And when I got done with that, he said, here's your food plan. So I'll put that all together and we started using it with our clients. We've been using it with our clients for over two years now. And la last quarter, we actually released a book. It's called Life 120. Mm. Anybody can do it. It's just habit changes with yeah. a lot of grace in there. So anybody can finish it. Because the big problem with diets and food plans is it's long-term with no breaks. And you're yeah. in such a 180-degree change. We're not going to eat out of boxes for the rest of our lives. It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to change and eat a certain way for the rest of your life. And your body needs everything. So when you're starting mm -hmm. to cut things out, you're depriving your body of stuff. So if it's short term, it's one thing. Long term, you're going to that itself will cause problems. So the Life 120 um, food plan, we can go through that if you like, or that that's a plan that they can find at life120.com. I love it. And then you had also said that there's food, movement, spiritual, and medicine. Any yeah. other topics you want to cover at the end? Yeah, the medicine is very important. And when I say medicine, I'm not talking about drugs. You know, the pharmaceuticals have their own space. It should be reserved for trauma care, urgent care, uh, bridge care. That's it. So real medicine is, um, it's, it's around. You got to find it. It's mm -hmm. all around the world, Europe, Asia, South America. And a lot of it is old school, holistic medicine. But there's also things that you can do proactively. So, mm -hmm. for example, drinking hot teas often helps you because it creates vasodilation. It helps the blood move. Um Hot toddies are something that we used to give kids years ago. It's not My grandma did that. <laughs> so a little bit of whiskey with some honey and lemon when uh, when the kids got a fever helps because it's a blood thinner. This is why when people say, oh, drunks bleed out. So yeah, because they're drinking too much. They're drinking gallons of it, right? <laughs> but if you give just a little bit, it moves the blood. Um, and side note, when someone has a fever, whether it's a child or an adult, you can rub their limbs down with oil and that moves the blood. All of that helps the body heal faster. But wow. just being proactive, drinking juices, that itself is medicine because it helps thin the blood. Mm. Fruits help thin the blood. So when people go on blood thinners, they haven't been doing this 
They waited till the blood got thick, and now they need a blood thinner to thin the blood. So you can be proactively thinning the blood naturally, letting the body do it by doing some of these things. That's so good. Well, thank you. Did you want to cover uh, spiritual? Yeah, um, spiritual, I mean, you know this firsthand, it's very, very important. We have to know what we're meditating on, what we're thinking about, what's entering our mind, who are, we're letting speak into our lives, <clears throat> the environment that we put ourselves in. And scientifically, you've seen um, experiments where they take a, a glass of water and they'll play you know, heavy metal and you'll see the chemistry change, right? Yeah. And we're, we're mostly made out of water on the inside. Yeah. So the environment we put ourselves in, you know, whether we're tired or we're, uh, we've taken a little bit of a beating in life, whether mm -hmm. it's financial or emotional or relational, we have to take a step back and go, what is dictating mm -hmm. my next steps? What is, yeah. what is dictating my future, right? Not what's happened. I get it. I'm here. I'm in this situation. I may have been diagnosed with cancer or I may have lost my house, whatever it is, but God's in control. We just have to reset and meditate, meditate on the things that he is telling us that's true about us. Yeah, that's so good. And we know there's tons of research studies about people whose mindsets shifted and how it actually had a huge medical improvement on their health. And I'd love yeah. to end with the story that you share about the man that was diagnosed with cancer and how he yeah. just gave up on life and what <laughs> happened. Yeah, this is a true story. It happened a few decades ago in Europe. So the German doctor, MD, got diagnosed with cancer, stage four. It, it crept up on him, all the reasons we, we've mm -hmm. talked about. And the best doctors in Germany said, look, you've got a few months to live. It was uh, third or fourth quarter of the year. And he said, get your affairs in order, write your memoirs. Uh, you're probably not going to make it through the winter. You'll be lucky if you make it through the winter. So now... The spiritual side of it too, right? They just spoke yeah. death over him. The guy's already uh, dealing with physical issues. Now he's dealing with mental issues. So he goes and checks himself into this monastery in the mountains. And when he shows up there, the nuns invite him in and he's checking in for a few months. He say, look, I'm gonna stay through the winter. I'll check out when the, the snow melts. And they're like, well, why are you here? He said, oh, I'm dying. I'll be dead, you know, by the time I, by, by the time winter is ends and here's all of my information, you can contact my family. And, uh, and the nuns started laughing at him and he got mad because the nuns were laughing at him. He was like, why are you laughing at me? He said, well, look, who told you this? Said, oh, the best doctors in Germany. <laughs> and he said, look, the only guy that knows when you're going is that guy. Yeah. So do you want to live or die? So the German doctor, his name is Reinhardt. And he goes, well, of course I want to live. What kind of question is that? You know, <laughs> that's a dumb question. I want to live. I said, okay, fine. You do what we're telling you to do and you may have a chance to live. So they put him to work. Everything we just talked about, they made him go draw water from the well. They made Exercise. him go cut firewood for the winter. <laughs> and they made him chop up all of the food to cook. And he would complain and whine. It's like, you know, you guys are killing me. You know, don't you know I'm already dying? You're making me do all this work. And they were like, do you want to live? Yes. Okay, go do the work. <laughs> so this happens all through winter. And winter comes and goes. The snow melts. The guy's still alive. And he's healthier than ever. So he goes down uh, to the village. And he gets checked out. The doctor goes, who told you you were dying? There's nothing wrong with you. So he jumps on a train, goes into Germany, gets checked out by 
his same his friends, the best doctors in Germany. And they're going, well, we don't know what happened, but yeah. you're completely whole. So all of this kind of ties. I'm glad you asked me about that. All this mm -hmm. ties this together is mm -hmm. our mindset, the food we put in our body us moving doesn't matter what state we're in even though he did have cancer he was able to turn it around yeah and i think it gives us so much hope so just to recap we don't want you to feel fear or overwhelmed we want you to just make small rudder changes little things you can do now be moving be in natural sunlight try to be careful of chemicals like sunblock uh we are omitting the makeup conversation and we are wanting you to eat real whole healthy food and we want you to have a mindset to believe you don't have to be sick. You're not fated to it. You don't have to believe this genetic curse in your family. And you can pray and believe that God has a book opened up over your life. And there is one day that you're going to go to eternity, right? Depending on if you've accepted Jesus or not, you're going somewhere. And so you don't have to live in fear. We don't need to push our life any further or shorter, but we do want to be good stewards and partner with good health, good habits now to be as preventative so we can have longevity in quality of life, quality of relationship and fulfilling every assignment that is on our life. Thank you so much, Tosh James, for being our guest and sharing. And how can people connect with you if they want to hear more? Thank you so much, Shannon. Thanks for having me. Uh, they can go to life120.com or they can go to toshjames.com. They can call our office. We'll be glad to send them a packet if they ever want to look into getting started with us, do an evaluation and get on their health journey. Perfect. Thank you. And we'll see you guys for the next episode. Bye, everybody. Later, guys.